Hello and welcome to and let's be heard for Thursday, July 6th, 2023. I'm Mike Cachopoli. All right. <clears throat> welcome to the show. Welcome to the show on this Thursday evening. How's everyone doing out there? Well, <clears throat> let's see. What is there to what is there to talk about? Well, you know I don't take early polls very, very seriously. I don't take early polls very seriously because they're not to be taken seriously. But today, some fundraising numbers came out. And uh, I really wanted to start the show with this because you either believe the fundraising numbers or you believe the polls. Now, one thing that those of us who have dissected these early polls have found is that most of them don't include independents. In other words, independents decide often, like I'm an independent now, right? And I'll make a decision whether I'm going to vote in the Republican or Democratic primary. Now, in some states, you have to register as a Republican or a Democrat. In California, you don't have to. You can be an independent and you can make a decision as to what primary you're going to vote in come primary day. And so there are independents who are right-leaning, who are more likely to vote in the Republican primary. In fact, independents in general this year are more likely to vote in the Republican primary because there's not going to really be, unfortunately, a contested Democratic primary. So if you add those people, there are polls that are taken, and if you add those people in, the polls are very different. Once again, Basically, when you start adding in people that aren't in the cult of Trump, DeSantis does much better. But those aren't the polls you see the mainstream media showing. The mainstream media, both with the Trump cult on the right and those on the left, want Trump to win. The Trump cultists want him to win because he's their cult leader. And the people on the left want him to win because they know Biden will – Biden, Harris, Buttigieg, whoever uh, – you know, Newsom will defeat him. So they want him to win. So what they try to do, what they often try to do with polls is they try to create a narrative. And the narrative, both those on the left who are afraid of DeSantis and the right who are afraid of DeSantis are creating is that Trump is inevitable. He, DeSantis has no chance. Okay. Um, and so they put out polls that do not include independents. They're just Republicans. People who are Republicans now, right now, as we speak, doesn't include independents, doesn't include people who will have to register as Republicans later if they're independents and they want to vote in the Republican primary. And they know these polls are going to be skewed towards Donald Trump because of the cult of Trump is very strong. So today, the fundraising numbers come out. Now, if Trump is so far ahead and he's so inevitable and he's so loved in the Republican primary, he should be doing better than DeSantis in fundraising. People money where their mouth is. They back the winner, right? Well, it's not the way it's going. The big donors are backing DeSantis, and the small donors are also backing Ron DeSantis. He hauled in $20 million in fundraising in the first six weeks. That's only the first six weeks of his campaign. He brought in $20 million, okay? 
and never back down, the super PAC supporting him hauled in $130 million in fundraising since the committee launched just in early March. Uh, the figures from the DeSantis campaign and from Never Back Down illustrated his, gun his, his fundraising prowess. At the same time, Trump's team reported that the former president's campaign and his PAC together only brought in $35 million in the second quarter in political fundraising. So DeSantis is raised to $20 million in half the time, okay, because he only began his campaign in late May. So it's basically $130 million to $35 million, okay? The DeSantis campaign highlighted in a release uh, first shared with Fox News that a hold was the largest first quarter filing from any non-incumbent Republican candidate in more than 10 years. And they added that at best the $18.3 million former president and quasi-incumbent Donald Trump's campaign raised during the first two fundraising quarters as a candidate. DeSantis campaign manager, uh, Janera Peck, argued in a statement that President Biden's leftist policies are destroying the country and Republicans are excited to invest in a winner to lead America's revival. So here's the question. If Trump is, like I just said, I'll say it again. If Trump is so far ahead and he's so inevitable, why aren't people, both big donors and small, backing him? with money. So you either believe those early, early polls, which do not include independents or people who will register Republican when it comes time for them to vote in their primaries, or you believe these incredible fundraising numbers. You can't believe both because it doesn't jive. The math doesn't jive. People want to back a winner. So if Trump is such the perceived winner why aren't people backing him? Why would people throw money at someone who has no chance like Ron DeSantis and is so far behind? Well, the answer is that Ron DeSantis is not behind. Like I said, when you include independence, he's ahead. And these polls are so damn early that we know from the past elections, the candidates ahead this early has never won ever. So, this is incredibly great news for Ron DeSantis and really bad news for Joe Biden. I'm sorry. If yes, for Joe Biden and for Donald Trump. OK. And DeSantis was on Fox News with um, Will Kane. Will Kane, who's one of the few non-Trump cultists at Fox News, did a pretty good interview where he was asking him but why the polls aren't showing what the fundraising is showing. And uh Unfortunately, neither Will Cain nor DeSantis mentioned that these polls do not include independents who will vote in the primary and people who will become Republicans in the states where they have to in the future. It only polls people who are Republicans at the moment when they're polled. They only poll Republican voters. People, these pollers, they have a list of people who are registered Republicans and they call them. OK, and that's it. So unfortunately, I don't know why, but, you know, DeSantis is in general talking about early polling not mattering. And he's right, because it's also, as we've talked about a million times, national polling in a state-by-state state primary election makes absolutely no sense. It makes no sense because one or two states where, let's say, Trump is way ahead can skew the whole thing. It doesn't matter. It only matters Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina, 
those first four are the only thing that matters right now. So the, the, the interview was pretty good and pretty fair. And um, I, I think that when you look at these fundraising numbers, they really tell the story, the much clearer story, the more honest story, which is that people, both big donors, big lifetime Republican donors, and small donors like myself are behind Ron DeSantis. Our enthusiasm is with Ron DeSantis because Trump is almost 80 and he's going to be a convict and he can't beat Joe Biden. So that's like, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. I think it's a really big deal to have a candidate who's not a convict. I think it hurts the candidate if he's a convict. I know I might sound crazy to the cult Trumpists who think it's all fun and games and bullshit. But the fact of the matter is, whether you are for these indictments or not, and I'm not, he will be a convict. He'll be convicted. He's going to be convicted. A New York jury is going to convict him. And on the on the one where it's even more solid, the documents thing, he's definitely going to get convicted. He could be twice convicted. So by the time the general election comes, he can be a two-time convict, behind bars or not, very possibly behind bars. Now, in this ridiculous system, evidently, if you're a felon, <laughs> you can run. If you're a convicted felon, you could become president, but you can't vote for president. Does that make any sense that a convicted felon can r- become president, but can't vote for president? But that's the case. So these people, these Trump cultists, won't stop if he's convicted once or twice. If he's behind bars or not, they're not going to stop. They're going to call him Nelson Mandela and say, well, we will elect him while he's behind bars. They're insane. Anyone who thinks that in the general election, Trump, forget about DeSantis being the better candidate. Okay, we're not even going to argue that. Trump is a horrible, one of the worst possible general election candidates. Think about it. He lost to Biden when he wasn't a convict. Okay, he lost Joe Biden by 7 million votes. He allowed Joe Biden to get the most votes ever. Joe Biden, not Bill Clinton, not Barack Obama, not Franklin Delano Roosevelt, not Lyndon Baines Johnson, not John F. Kennedy. Joe Biden in 2020 to get the most votes for president in the history of our country. This is him not being a convicted felon. So if you truly believe that as a convicted felon, He'll beat Biden this time. You're insane. Let me. I, I just want. I want to make it as plain as simple as possible. You are fucking insane. You're in a cult. You're in a cult. And the best thing for you is to do what these cults have done in the past, which is drink the Kool Aid and and go away. That's the best thing you can do for for humanity. Okay, because the last thing this country needs is another four years of Joe Biden, which, of course, would mean up to four years of Kamala Harris or four years of Gavin Newsom. Do you want that? How about four years of Mayor Pete? You think that'll be great for the country? So Trump has zero chance. I know people like to say anything can happen and that in this divided country we live in, everyone has about a 45 to 50 percent chance of winning. No. Trump doesn't have a 45 to 50, but he's not going to win. He has zero chance of winning. Okay, zero. It's not going to happen. So you either vote for Ron DeSantis or you are voting for 
Joe Biden or Gavin Newsom or Kamala Harris or Pete Buttigieg to be president. It's quite simple. Now, the fundraising numbers give me optimism. I didn't think DeSantis was going to blow Trump out of the water like he did. I thought he might be a little bit ahead, but he blew him out of the water. Now, what you're going to see, because this happened, is you're going to see a total full court, mark my words, a total full court press of both the left-wing media and much of the right-wing media against DeSantis now. Now they're really going to try to take him out because they want to make sure these numbers aren't repeated. So they're really going to continue to try to show this air of invulnerability that Trump has. That's just going to be Trump. You got to deal with it and get behind him. They are going to want to do that because they are very afraid of Ron DeSantis. And these numbers are going to make them even more afraid of Ron DeSantis. So if you think the left wing media and the cult media, the cult of Trump media on the right were tough on DeSantis before and tried to make it look like Trump is inevitable before, that's going to be up to 10 times now. And I'm sure, I hope, but I'm sure that Ron DeSantis is ready for it. But I love these numbers. I really do. I really do. We are grateful for the investment so many Americans have made to get this country back on track. The fight to save it will be long and challenging, but we've built an operation to share the governor's message and mobilize the millions of people who support it. Ready to win, said Peck. Never back down CEO Chris Jankowski spotlighted in a statement that the $150 million raised from across all 50 states between DeSantis for president and never back down shows what a formidable movement is behind the governor. The future of the Republican Party is Governor DeSantis. Remember, that's 150 million across 50 states. So this is not like it's all coming from Florida. It's coming from across the country. Um, so I have said all along that these poll numbers for Trump are bullshit, that they're fabricated, that they're nonsense, that they're driven by a certain narrative that both the left and the Trump cultists want to put forth, which is that why even try to run against him? Remember, this is why Donald Trump announced so early, right? Was it November that he was running? Now, once again, I've mentioned there were two reasons why he announced so early. One was to say, I'm the king of the jungle. Don't even try to fucking challenge me. But the second reason was he thought his candidates in November were going to sweep and he'd have several of them up on that stage with him when he announced a couple of weeks after the midterms. You notice there was nobody on the stage with him because all of his candidates in major races and competitive places lost, which is why the Republicans didn't do better in the House and didn't take the Senate. All of his candidates lost. Same for governor, all of his gubernatorial candidates. Remember, the one he didn't back, Ron DeSantis, won by a million and a half votes. They all, the rest of them lost. So he had nobody to come out of that stage with him, but it was too late at that point for him to either not run or put it off, right? Because everyone was ready for him to run. But believe me, believe you me, believe you me, as my grandmother used to say, believe you me, that he expected all those candidates to be up on that stage with him and he'd show off all of his winnings. And he had no winnings to show off. Everything he touched died in the general election, while Ron DeSantis, of course, won the biggest 
you know, election by a Republican in Florida ever. So that is why Trump announced so early. But what Trump didn't expect, I'm sure Trump is dumbfounded by the fact that the Sanders has raised so much money. Now, just 24 hours ago, before these numbers came out, the Trump cult was saying how important fundraising was, right? And then 24 hours later, after these numbers come out, they say, oh, well, money doesn't mean anything. This is Trump. <laughs> Trump now and his, and, his, and his minions are saying money doesn't mean anything. Let me ask you a question. It's rhetorical in nature, as most of my questions are. What would Trump have done if he raised $130 million to DeSantis's $35 million? What if he raised $95 million more? Do you think he'd be saying numbers don't matter? No, this is what he'd be saying. I've raised $95 million more than Ron DeSanctimonious. He's a loser. He's a loser. He'd be talking about how, sorry, I got to get out of Trump's voice. He'd be talking about his money and all the money he raised and shows how powerful he is and can't be defeated. But now that it's flipped, it doesn't matter. Money does, money's not everything. <laughs> Trump, money's not everything. Look, he lies. He's a, the real loser is Donald Trump. He lies. He lies about everything. Everything is a lie. Everything that comes out of his mouth is equal to everything that comes out of Joe Biden's mouth. They're, they're all lies. There's no truth to them. They're spun narrative. And the thing about money is that even unlike polls, which we have seen, especially recently, have been a little off to way off, this is real. These numbers can't be made up. This is actually money you can feel in your fingers, or at least see on a computer screen. These are real numbers. You see, this is why Trump is going to try to make it look like money doesn't matter now, because these are real numbers, okay? Polls aren't real numbers. They're not. We know that. They're a suggestion, a possibility, a possibly, if they're correct, a snapshot in time. But fundraising, that's real. Money coming in from people, large and small donations, are real. These are real people like me. I've given a couple of times to DeSantis. That's real. So this will try to be refuted by everyone who's on the left and in the cult of Trump on the right. That this doesn't matter. And they're going to do everything they can to make sure these numbers aren't repeated, right? Because they know if this continues, that narrative where Trump is inevitable will vanish. It won't exist anymore. Okay? Trump will then become vulnerable because of the money game. So that's where things stand in the race. And I am incredibly, incredibly happy about what's happened. I'm not... Too surprised. I'm a little surprised, as I said, that the money difference was so vast, almost $100 million. But it really shows who the front runner truly is. And this can be seen. This was mentioned by Ron DeSantis and Will Cain. And I've mentioned this many times as recently as yesterday. The more attacks you see, the more you know how afraid they are of Ron DeSantis. And that if he were really so far behind, they would not be afraid of him. So they wouldn't even mention him, you know, so they are afraid, right? 
this is why they talk about him all the time. And they try to bash him and bring him down all the time because they are afraid of him. And the proof is what just happened today with the, with the, num- with the numbers, with the money. So there'll be more on that. A little more on that. And, oh, Trump has also said that he's not going to be in the first debate next month. I Once again, that's a lie. <laughs> he just lies. We know Trump is going to be in that debate next month. There's no way Trump's ego will allow, ego will allow all these people, including Ron DeSantis, to be on stage with him not being there. Especially people like Chris Christie, who are going to spend the whole time going after him, and Trump can't respond on that stage in real time. Do you truly think Donald Trump's ego would allow fat Chris Christie to attack him for two hours and not be able to attack back and maybe lob some insults? Come on. So Trump's lying. We know he's going to be there. But all he does is lie. He lies to make it look like he's inevitable. Well, I'm inevitable. Why should I debate people who have no chance of beating me? But this is a lie. You'll see in a few weeks he'll say, oh, I'll be on that debate stage because I have to defend myself. I'm not going to let them lie about me. I'm not going to let them lie about me. So, But he's a liar. That's what he is. That's why he's no different than Joe Biden. I don't want to hear he's better than Joe Biden. He's not. He's a liar. He doesn't. He never tells the truth. Now, Joe Biden's been lying in politics a lot longer, although Donald Trump was a liar in business before this. But in politics, yeah, Joe Biden's been around for half a century. Sure. But there's very little difference between the two of them when it comes to telling the truth and being accurate and being able to assess what's going on and be honest about things, right? Be honest about the fact that you're being out fundraised. Be honest about the fact that DeSantis is a legitimate challenger to you. Just like Joe Biden can never be honest about his COVID policies being wrong, about masks not doing anything to stop the spread, about vaccines not doing anything to stop the spread, even though he said both would. Once again, there's no humanity to these people. That's the problem with them. There's no humanity when you can't admit that you were wrong. That you can't admit a simple reality that the rest of the world, the rest of man and woman and they and them kind understand. Right. Simple realities. Right. Like Trump can't even say that DeSantis is a great governor anymore simply because he's running against him. So he lies and he says the opposite of what he had been saying for years. Once again, the opposite of what the actual real world knows is true. So if there's no humanity, you're basically um, a petulant child and Trump and Biden are petulant children. They are. They're just used to getting their way in life. You know, it's like a lot of these activist groups. They're just used to getting their way in life. And when you're used to getting your way in life, you can never take no for an answer. You can never admit you did something wrong. And that's the problem with most of these political candidates. So you can throw in the majority of them. Gavin Newsom, Lindsey Graham, both sides of the aisle. Uh, Mitt Romney, you know, so this is what makes a guy like DeSantis and and RFK Jr. too, such great candidates because they're honest. Even if it's not popular, they're honest. It wasn't popular. This whole idea of not locking down, allowing dining, allowing kids to go to school with no masks, this, these weren't popular things. 
Yet Ron DeSantis did it that way. Talking out against vaccines is not a popular stance that RFK Jr. does it because this is what they believe. They're honest brokers. Now, because you don't agree with them doesn't make them dishonest. It makes them honest. You could be honest, but they're also being honest. That's what people have said. Oh, these people are liars. They're not. They're telling the truth. They're doing what they believe to be the right thing. RFK Jr. believes vaccines can hurt children, all of them, not just COVID vaccine. Ron DeSantis believed that lockdowns were bad, that wearing masks was bad, that not allowing kids to go to school, not allowing people to run their businesses for years was a bad thing. You can disagree with that. You'd be wrong, but you can disagree with it. But he does what he believes is right. And RFK Jr. does what he believes is right. And you have to appreciate that. I appreciate it more than ever because it's so rare in the political world, right? It's incredibly rare in the political world for someone to just say, I don't care about the polls or I don't care what the majority sentiment is at this moment in time. I'm going to do and say what I feel is right. And that's what RFK Jr. and Ron DeSantis have in common. If Biden and Trump have lying in common and the lack of humanity in common and the incredible ego in common, in common, condom, <laughs> RFK Jr. And, uh, and DeSantis have the honesty in common, right? <clears throat> it's never been uh, the majority opinion that vaccines are, are harmful. Right. That they're bad for children, that they cause autism. It's always been the minority opinion. RFK Jr. has never strayed from his beliefs. It was very unpopular for a very long period of time. And in some places, Democrat run still is that lockdowns were bad, that masks were useless, that the vaccines were useless and now harmful. But yet Ron DeSantis, since 2020, has been doing the right thing regardless of public sentiment. And the people in Florida love it because they profited for it. Now, look, I believe Ron DeSantis was always doing the right thing. But what if it was the wrong thing? Let's go into an alternate universe. Let's go into the alternate universe that Democrats live in. The vaccine stopped the spread. Lockdowns caused the virus to go away. Ron DeSantis would be up shit's Creek, wouldn't he? Because people in Florida would have been hurt. More people would have died. Right. Businesses would have perished. People have said, what did you do to us? Yet he did what he believed was right, not just based on what Ron DeSantis believed, but with doctors were telling him and what the facts and evidence were telling him and what Joseph Latipo, his attorney, his surgeon general was telling him. And he made the decision. This is what we're going to do. And it played out to be the right thing. But he didn't know that for sure. You never know for sure. Right. You take a shot. And you base things based on the kind of information that you have, the best information you have, and you make the best possible decision. So it's bullshit when people say, oh, Ron DeSantis now, sure, he knew. No, but at the time he did it, when most people said it was wrong, when most doctors on television were saying that was going to harm people, he did it. Then, not now, it wasn't hindsight. He had foresight. But the only reason you can take a shot and be right about something so important is if you have the ability 
and the humanity to do what you believe is right and not just go with the mob rule, the mob sentiment. Understand? In other words, you're doing the less safe thing. The safe thing is just to go with the mob and say, well, and this is what a lot of these Democratic governors and mayors are saying now. Well, everyone did it that way. No, Ron DeSantis didn't do it that way. But it's the cowardly thing to just go with the masses because then you can hide behind the masses. They all did this. We all did it. We're all at fault. Not me. I just followed what everyone else was doing. DeSantis had the balls not to do that. RFK Jr. had the balls not to do that. So that's why I talk about Trump and Biden more than just age, although age is important, being once again two evils running. And DeSantis and RFK Jr. being two goods running. And having that choice, I know it's, you know, not in the realm of reality because of Democrats, mostly, Democratic Party, to have that choice between two greater goods of a DeSantis and an RFK Jr. than lesser, if you will, of evils like Biden and Trump. Because, you know, the problem with lesser of evils is, well, your lesser evil is different than my lesser evil, right? Remember, I had Hillary people saying, well, Hillary was the lesser of two evils with Trump. And I'd say, I'm not too sure about that, right? So some people's lesser evil was Hillary. Some people's lesser evil was Trump. But no one's ever going to agree on who the lesser evil is, right? But when you have two goods running, like RFK Jr. and DeSantis, then we have a lot to talk about. We have a lot to debate because we're not coming at it from the, oh, no, your person's worse than mine. Go after yourself. We're coming at it from we both really like our candidates. Let's discuss. Or, or look, both candidates are so good, I could switch. Make me, make, well, you know, get me to, convince me. Not going to happen when I think your person's more evil than mine. I don't like mine that much, but yours is more evil, so I have no shot. You have no shot of changing my mind. So this whole idea of having the two greater goods running is something we haven't seen here. I, I want someone to tell me when it was. Does anyone have any ideas when the last time in this country, the United States of America, we had two goods running, two greater, a choice between two greater good candidates, the better of two good candidates? I can't recall. I, not as long as I've been a voter. No. Hell, let's see. When, my first time, well, it wasn't my first time voting because I just missed out because I was 17, was in 88, right? That was um, Dukakis and uh, Bush Sr. And I think they both were pretty shitty, right? I remember many people thought they were both pretty shitty. Um, people were tired of Reagan-Bush, but, you know, they called Dukakis Dukakisot, so on and so forth. So that wasn't certainly two great candidates. So let's go to 92, the first time I was able to vote, right? And that was uh, Clinton, and Bush, right? And I think many, many people, I remember feeling the same way. Oh, God, Bush again? No one wanted 12 years of Bush. And uh, then Bill Clinton, though, a lot of people saw as being kind of, you know, 
slick and slimy. So that certainly wasn't two great candidates. Let's go to 96. Then you got Clinton again and, and Dole, two shit candidates again, right? We can keep going. 2000, W and Gore. <laughs> 2004, W and Kerry. <laughs> 2008. Well, 2008, you got an interesting one, right? Because you got Obama and you got McCain. I'd say, I'd say, okay, thinking about this objectively, at the time, forget about now, at the time, that might have been the closest to both sides really liking their candidates, right? I mean, it wasn't like a lesser of two evils kind of thing, right? Because Obama was young and the first black candidate and hope and change. And once again, it was total bullshit. He fooled people. But I think the feeling around it was we liked this guy. And McCain was a giant among Republicans, right? A war hero, a nice guy, not an asshole. People liked him. Even Democrats liked him. That could be the closest probably that we've come in my voting life. Because then you go to 2012 and Obama had disappointed and Romney was a dick. And then, of course, we know what happened 2016, 2020. So probably the only time in my lifetime of voting where it wasn't like the lesser of two hard, shitty candidates was 08 with Obama and McCain. But how sad is that? I'm, I'm going to be 52 next Wednesday. 52. And once in my voting life has it not been two total shit candidates. <laughs> That's... And I don't think many people can argue this fact. In fact, some people will probably say that Obama and McCain weren't great. But so think about that, how sad that is for this country. And I believe that RFK and DeSantis would blow Obama McCain out of the way. It would be truly, truly two really good, solid candidates that at the time – you know, I know the establishment Democrats are like, no, we're not going to vote for this crazy vaccine guy. And cult of Trump says no one can challenge him no matter who they are. But I think at the time, if they both won their primaries, both sides would like their candidates. And as we've seen, there are things that many Democrats like about Ron DeSantis. And there are things Republicans like about RFK Jr. That's something you don't get much of. Like I said, I think the closest we get is McCain and Obama, where there are Democrats who didn't like McCain's policies but didn't think he was an asshole, right? And Obama, people on the right didn't like his liberal policies, his, his neoliberal policies, but but young, for, could be the first black president, would be groundbreaking, and, and he was a likable person. So – it's just so rare in this country where we get to have an election where we're not just talking about lesser of a lesser of two evils. And uh, once again, I'm not saying we're unique. I'm sure there are other countries where most of the time the candidates they're choosing from aren't aren't the best. But it would seem in this country with this incredibly rigorous long primary where you get to vet people over and over again. In this Republican primary, there are going to be a dozen debates, like at least one a month. There'll be months where there are more than one. You could get better candidates. What's, what's the object of this? I know it's a moneymaker, but this long, arduous process of vetting where we very rarely get 
two candidates that are likable. So that's just food for thought. I didn't mean to talk about this election so long, but it began with, uh, if you weren't listening, DeSantis's incredible fundraising numbers where he blew Trump out of the water, 130 million to 35 million. So a lot of people are getting behind Ron DeSantis. A lot of people, and I can guarantee you, and I'm sure they can break it down. Those aren't all Republicans or independents. I'm sure there's a lot of Democrats and former Democrats, independents in there giving money to Ron DeSantis as well. So, and I believe that that money will add up to poll numbers. It will, it will show up in poll numbers as we go along uh, in this, in this process. Because what that money does also is it allows Ron DeSantis to get out there, right? To get his name out there, to get his ads out there, to go campaign, to hire people to be on the ground. That's what that money will do for him. That's what that money will do for him. Um, I, I want to talk about Meta a little bit because Meta launched a uh, a Twitter clone you know, Zuckerberg is really a fucking a little annoying twit. He really is. I, I can't stand his pasty white face. I can't say anything about the guy. Yeah, people could say Elon Musk is pasty white also, but I like Musk a lot more. Musk just seems like, forget about the fact that I like Twitter better than Facebook, but just, he seems like a more of a, like a well-rounded guy. If you read his tweets, he's got a great sense of humor, right? He can be sarcastic. He's very funny. I don't think Zuckerberg is a very well-rounded individual. I think he's kind of a one-note nerd, and I just don't like the guy. Aside from his incredible censorship that we get on Twitter, I, I just, just the guy rubs me the wrong way. Okay, so he starts this clone, right? I guess he felt that Twitter had too much freedom. He didn't, you know, Zuckerberg isn't into freedom of speech. He likes censorship, so he started a a clone called. Uh, uh, what's it called? Threads? It's a stupid name, Threads. And uh, he claimed that over 10 million people signed up already. Um, he frames it as a friendly alternative to the little bluebird. But what it really is, as written by Tyler Durden in Zero Hedge, is a data harvesting Twitter clone, a censor-friendly data harvesting Twitter clone. And we're seeing that already. We're seeing it already. Um, what Zuckerberg says is it's a more wholesome substitute for Twitter. Now, when someone like Zuckerberg says more wholesome, that usually means censored, right? Because the only way you keep something wholesome, first of all, what's your idea of wholesome? So the person who runs it is going to have their own idea of, of wholesome. My idea of wholesome is a lot of cock and pussy jokes, but that's probably not his idea of, of wholesome. So he's going to censor it to make it wholesome. It can't just be organically wholesome. How do you do that? How do you organically make it only wholesome people who join? You don't. The way you make it wholesome is you tailor it to what you think is wholesome. And the only way you can do that is through censorship, right? So right there, it shows. Meanwhile, data privacy and censorship, they've already emerged. Those concerns have already emerged, okay? Um. Jack wrote, all your threads belong to us. Basically, that's what it comes down to. When a few hours of launching, Thread was already secretly censoring users and not offering them the right to even appeal. 
Meta is already too powerful. One company controls what much of the public's allowed to see. And if Thread succeeds, it will have 80% of the global market outside of Russia and China, according to one industry insider. As such, it's reasonable to expect that Meta will censor precisely the same way large news media corporations do, including the Times and corporate advertisers want it to do that. More censorship is what the mainstream news media, big corporations, and their celebrity pitch people have been demanding. Additionally, unlike Twitter, Threads collects data about health and fitness, financial information, sensitive info, and other data. What other data? Michael Schellenberger further noted that within hours of launching, Threads was already secretly censoring users and not offering them the right to appeal. Um, Here, there's a a screenshot. Derek Utley wrote, Meta IG just released their new Threads platform, and I've been informed by multiple users that I'm censored already. Sheesh, can it do catch a break? Elon Musk hasn't censored me. And it says, are you sure you want to follow blah, blah, blah? This account has repeatedly posted false information. Repeatedly, the thing's only been around for 24 hours. And it's the same stuff we've seen from Zuckerberg on Twitter with his bullshit independent fact checkers went against their community guidelines. So it's the same censorship and data harvesting bullshit that Zuckerfuck has been doing on Facebook for decades now. DC Drano wrote, just downloaded and signed up for a new meta app threads meant to imitate Twitter. I posted once, once about wanting to expose Biden's corrupt government and they've already flagged me for censorship. Great platform, Zuck. <laughs> Incredible. Other Twitter clones who have taken a shot at the king include Trump's True Social, Jack Dorsey's Blue Sky, never heard of it, and Mastodon. Mastodon. All of which, I thought that was a porn site, all of which failed to gain large enough user bases to cross to the mainstream. Um, the new leftist echo chamber attracted celebrities such as Kim Kardashian, J-Lo, as well as AOC, who hit a snag after about five minutes. Oh, boy. So it's obvious that this is going to fail because people don't want more censorship. They want less censorship. But is it a shock that Zuckerfuck has debuted this just at the time the primaries and the election is getting going? Why did they do that? Because the Democrats knew the DNC. And there's no doubt this wasn't just like uh, a, a mind meld he had with the DNC. They must have called him. They must have been talking about this for a while, that they lost Twitter, that this election cycle was the first presidential cycle ever where they're not going to have control. So they want something that's going to have control for them, where they can spread their propaganda and when they can do exactly what the former Twitter folks have been proven to do, which is to censor, which is to collude with the government. But what we need to do now is people need to, they need to be whistleblowers out there now. And when the government, when the Biden administration colludes with threads, there need to be people who go to jail because that judge just decided that is illegal, that these got the big government cannot even talk with social media platforms anymore. But we know this thing was launched just to be another arm of the DNC to help them in next year's election. 
So my advice is not to sign up, really. I know people are going to say, oh, we're going to sign up and we're going to do things and make it, we're going we're to make sure it's not just left-wing echo chamber. You can't beat the system. Zuckerfuck and his minions of DNC um, apologists run it. You can't beat them, okay? They will just simply censor you, okay? So it's pointless. And all you do when you sign up is you pump up their numbers, so we can say, oh, another 5 million, another 10 million. Don't sign up. Do not sign up for threads. Just stick with Twitter. Hey, Daniel, how you doing? How's it going tonight? Uh, Walking North Beach. Very, very, nice. very quiet. Uh, it's quiet out there, huh? Yeah. Um, took a little stroll in the neighborhood today. Usually don't stroll around in. Um, but it's close to my place. I don't know why I haven't explored it much, but it's a, at the, the area at the base of a Coit Tower, that that, um, that side of uh, the city. Um, calling about uh, just a, a correction. That mm-hmm. is, um, the judge in the Biden versus Missouri case um, didn't decide. No, no, he, uh, I know he said yeah. it's he said it's, it's it's pretty sure it's pretty. <laughs> It's a pretty short bet. He issued an issued an injunction right. at this point, which is basically holding up the uh, plaintiff's complaint against the government um, until the case is decided. But right now, from what I understand, with that injunction, the government is barred during yes. this injunction period. Okay. Yes. From, right, from yeah. talking to social media. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Media. yeah. yeah. Um, totally agree with you on... Uh, on the Zuckerberg um, Facebook thing. Uh, Facebook has never met a uh, censor that they um, didn't like. Mm-hmm. What's that? Mm-hmm. And you would think that they'd at least try to make it look on the level where even the first day <laughs> they're censoring people. I mean, how do you say someone's repeatedly said something when you've only been around for 20 hours? It's ridiculous. So they're not even trying to make it look free. Yeah, it's um, it's it's pretty it's pretty funny still still on Twitter, where um, you get these uh, little pop ups that say people usually don't use language like that on Twitter. <laughs> whenever whenever you might use a four letter word, it's like first first response is bullshit. They use it all the time, so yeah. this pop up must be popping up a lot. <laughs> And, and the second response is, I don't care. I'm using it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's but, you know, I know there are people out there who are like, well, we're going to we're going to sign up for this thing. We're going to make sure the left doesn't control it. But they do control it because Zuckerberg controls it. So there's just the way the right had no say in how things were worked at the f- past Twitter. Um, they have no you're not going to have any control here, so it's pointless to even sign up. Don't don't of give them the numbers. Is. Don't of give them the numbers. Is. Of course, yeah. it is. it's going to it's going to fail within a week. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be like CNN Plus. It's going <laughs> to be like Metaverse, yeah. and it's going to yes. just be a huge freaking yes. failure. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think it's going to last very long. Look, Twitter is the, is the game, man. People are addicted to it for good and it's it's good and it's bad at the same time. Right? I mean, people are addicted to Twitter. So that, that's not going to change. People aren't going to switch their addiction to something else, especially once again, all you're going to get on threads is, is a left wing echo chamber and which is fine for the left. That's what they want. They want their propaganda tool for the election. And so, 
they've got their propaganda tool for the election. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. They, um, they're pissed. They're pissed at their um, number one uh, resource for uh, um, for propaganda and for censorship. Uh, Twitter has been uh, bought out by someone that appreciates freedom of speech. Uh, that's really pissed them off. And yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm just a little surprised. I mean, Zuckerberg is as big a creep as Bill Gates, um, as big a sociopath as Bill Gates ever was. Um, but I'm a little surprised that Zuckerberg is is doing this. Um, you, you would think that he would see, see the writing on the wall, um, but apparently not. This is just it's it's weird. Um, I think he's once again simply doing it because uh, the the DNC has probably asked him to do it. You know, they've yeah. asked. Him well, to they do it. they they may have, and it's and yeah. that's what's weird about it. It's like he's <laughs> if the DNC or any prominent Democrats. Um, ask them to do this. I just, I just can't believe that he would actually. That would be enough for him to actually do it. Mm. It's just, it's just, it's weird behavior. It's really weird behavior because the writing is on the wall, and this type of censorship is not going to fly in, in 2023 and beyond. One would hope not. I mean, one, one would hope that most Americans would rather be on a forum that's free and open, but I don't think that's the case for the left. The left wants their echo chamber where they can push their propaganda because in their minds, they believe that that's what's needed to defeat Donald Trump and whatever's needed to defeat or DeSantis, but especially Trump, well, they will, they will justify in their minds as being um, moral and ethical. Well, but, 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 that's a, but that's a really, really stupid thing for them to think. I mean, when you don't have any alternative um, platforms for, for, um, for disseminated, widely disseminated free speech, as was the case in the past recent years, um, then you can, have, you can be that, um, you can have that much hubris. Um, you can be that controlling. But when you have an alternative platform, which is now Twitter, where free speech is all, it was, is allowed, you can't compete with that. You're not going to set up, as you said, you're not going to set up some alternate alternative to Twitter and center the fuck out of it and expect people to show up for that. They won't be showing up. No. The only people who are going to show up are going to be left-wingers. The only people that's going to be showing up is the people that, you know, are in this, um, this echo chamber, and that's not what you want to do. If well, you're trying to reach out to people and change minds, it's not going to do it. All it's going to do is cause extremists to be more extreme in their in their in their echo chamber. And well, then when that extremism yeah. busts out into the real world, it looks really damn ugly. Well, even people um, in that echo chamber are going to get bored after a while because it's boring. Let's face it. People like to thrust and parry. Right. They love to troll. They love that. Well, they naturally people naturally like to to argue and exchange ideas because that is how we have, of course, evolved to do that. That is one of as human beings. That is one of the things that secured our success as a species. And yeah, you're just you're just fighting uh, human nature. You're fighting evolution to expect people to want to be in an echo chamber. There are going to be some that are going to want to be. Um, they aren't very mentally healthy individuals, and they certainly aren't going to be amongst the gene pool that gets propagated um, on, on an evolutionary timescale. But, um, but, yeah, it's just, it's just a losing battle to try to, 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 to promote 
a uh, platform, a social media platform, where censorship is one of your selling points because yeah. it, it is, as you said, going to be, whether they admit it or not, is going to be one of their selling points. And it is so superficially one of their selling, transparently, I should say, one of their selling points that it can't succeed. No, it can't succeed. It, it'll fail. It'll fail just like all the other. Look, look even Truth Social, which, you know, was started by uh, Trump and Devin Nunez, has not, and they, they were bragging for a long time also about all the signups, but they've come nowhere near touching Twitter. And it's not because they censor, they don't censor that much, but it's because it's an echo chamber of the right. And like I yeah. said, people want to thrust and parry. They want to see things they disagree with. They want to react to it. They want to say, hey, I'm showing you why you're wrong and I'm right. People want that. Yeah, you know, because they know it. Because they know sometimes they're going to learn something from that too. No, there's also that. What is that thing in the brain that gets charged? What is that? What is that element in the brain chemically? You're talking about a dopamine release. Yes, yeah, dopamine. The dopamine. Wait, I don't think we have to break it down to to to, uh, to neurotransmitters to to understand this. I think it's just really obvious that human beings have succeeded as a species that they are because they argue. And, and we seek out that argument, whether you consciously know it or not, you're seeking out that argument to learn. Mm. I don't know. I don't I don't learn anything from people who disagree with me. I don't think so. Anyway, I, I think you, I think we I think you do. And I think we do in the long run. We all learn from that. Um, whether you want to admit it at the time, I think that's what our brain is hardwired to do. And that's why I said whether you're consciously aware of it or not, human beings seek out argument. Well, being seek okay. out disagreement so I, that they can I, I learn. I want to be a little bit more uh, exact. I think you can learn, and I learn from people who disagree with me when I believe they have, you know, when when I believe they're intellectually honest about the disagreement, right, and not just repeating dogma, right, cultish dogma. That's the difference. Yeah, of course, of course. And there's going to be a lot of noise. And then there's going to be some good signal, which is what you're talking about at the moment. And that's where people learn. Uh, They expect to to hear a lot of noise. They expect to hear a lot of that, you know, that uh, biting people um, and and barking at, nipping at people. They expect to see that. But they also expect that there's going to be some signal that rises above that noise. And that's what the human brain is, is. exquisitely tuned to try to find with with respect to communications with other people and like i said whether you whether you consciously or not know it we are all programmed to do that we are all pro in this and we were we are a very social species and that and the fact that we are a very social species is no accident of evolution <laughs> it, it, it's part of evolution it was guided by evolution of course and and we, we, we seek out disagreement. We seek out disagreement, whether you're consciously aware of it or not. We seek it out to learn. Well, here, speaking of learning, I, before, while I have you on, I want to ask you, did you hear about the new Lancet study of 325 yes. autopsies after COVID vaccination that found that three quarters of the deaths were caused by the vaccine and then the study was removed? Did you hear about there's, that? There's, there, we've had a long, a long three-year history of studies being pulled um, after they were reviewed, 
um, and and uh, the reviewers, after their comments, um, let the paper go forward to publication. Um, and then uh, left wing just simply does not like the results of the study and they pull it. We don't like the science. Therefore, boom, gone. Yeah, well, they well, look, we've talked about Democrat science before. Democrat science says that men can breastfeed. This is what they believe. So when you actually say that men can breastfeed, anything you say that has anything to do with anything in the real world doesn't count anymore, right? When you say something as idiotic as men can breastfeed, you are then, I, I don't care if you tell me the sky is a blue, I'm not going to believe you. I'm going to have to look into that because you're obviously insane. So this is what Democrat, this is more Democrat science, right? Democrat science says men can breastfeed. It says that the vaccine ended COVID. It says that a cloth mask can stop the spread of a microscopic particulates getting into your system and causing you to get a cold. This is what Democrat science says. They don't yeah, believe well. in science. They believe in their narrative. How many times do we have to say that? But nothing proves that more, that you only care about your insane narrative than saying that men can breastfeed a child. Well, if you take all the right hormones, um, you, you can breastfeed a child. Is it going to be good for that child? No, because it's not going to be like mother a mother's breast milk. It's going to be some crazy secretion. I don't know what crap. Ew. It's, Ew, it's, it's, it's not going to be Nothing. nutritional for the baby. This is like a, this is like a science fiction it's, movie. It's, it's a horror movie. It's, 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 down, it's just downright abusive to an infant is what it is. Oh, disgusting. Well, look. When someone says men can breastfeed, they're not saying when they believe that they're not saying that men can excrete something that's something like what a woman can do. What they're saying is men can do what the woman can do. A man's yeah. tits will can do the exact same thing that a woman's tits can do. This is what they believe. That's that is kind of what they're saying. Um, what they're what they're trying to do is a little bit more um, uh, just plain evil. Which is just, they're just trying to murk up the and muddy up the the distinction between men and women because for some freaking crazy reason, um, somebody out there wants to blur the lines and 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 I've come back to this 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 topic many many times with the with the same um, bottom line and that is we're be, we're being beta tested. Maybe we yeah. shouldn't even call it a beta test anymore, mm. but just to see how how easily we can be manipulated. If you can be manipulated into thinking that uh, men and women aren't two distinct genders, then you, you can really be manipulated into thinking anything and therefore doing anything. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole here with you, Daniel, <laughs> just to follow me a little bit down this rabbit hole. Do you believe, speaking of science and new science, or maybe, do you believe that breast milk from a woman, forget about men, men don't give breast milk, a woman's breast milk, okay, can be used by for bodybuilding purposes? <laughs> I have never heard anybody pitch that yet. Oh, you, that. you haven't heard about this? No. Oh, my God. All you have to do is Google breast milk bodybuilding. There are millions of articles about it. Oh, my God. In, in, yeah. in science magazines, in health and fitness magazines, there are bodybuilders <laughs> who have actually said that it's helped them gain muscle. Uh, I, I was at a uh, on 4th of July 
uh, a number of my calisthenics friends um, at, at the Panhandle. It turned out all at once. It was a really strange coincidence. About a dozen of us. Um, I don't think they all knew each other, but I, I all I knew all of them, and they all showed up at the same time in, in the afternoon on Fourth of July. And we had like a little Fourth of July uh, <laughs> party there, impromptu. Um, I, I, not a single one of them. <laughs> well, no, I don't, you, using mother's like, breast milk no, for, for, no, for no, no, no. I'm not saying. <laughs> first of all, Daniel, you have to you have to admit that maybe some people will do it and not talk about it, right? Thinking it's taboo. So there's that element also, but there are some bodybuilders who have had no problem. There was actually like a 60 minutes or 20, 20. No, there's this bodybuilder who said, oh, I, my girlfriend or my wife, whatever, I've, I've done it and I've been doing it for years and I've gained all this muscle. <laughs> and not just gain muscle, but energy and it makes them feel better. And they, oh, oh, wait a minute. And also fighting off illnesses. Uh, that's, just, that's just hilarious. Uh, no, no, there's there's absolutely no plausible scientific, speaking, reason for for wanting to do that. Um, it, it's just it's just insane. Well, and that's what, that's what many of these health and fitness science articles have said. Yeah, you can't ever believe a damn thing about diet that's yeah. ever written in the lay press, and, and most times you can't believe a damn thing about diet that's written in the scientific literature. Well, but there are, I mean, but there. Here's the thing, Daniel. There are many scientific articles written that have said or have tried to make the point that mother's milk is better for a child than regular milk. It is, and there's, and there's and the, one of the big reasons there is not only the nutrients in it, but that is a way. It is the way that infants get a lot of their immune response. Well, that's me, what, me, but they're saying. Milk. They're saying that extends to men drinking the milk also. Yeah, well, men don't need the immunity boost. They've got their own antibodies. They've are, they have a thymus that has already gone through distinguishing self from non-self and gone through that entire process through puberty. They're done with that part of it. They don't need that. The nutrients can be gotten just about anywhere in any part of their diet. Uh, they don't need that. Um, it's it's just a ridiculous. Um, I, it's a, a ridiculous. Um, it's, it's snake oil is all it is. It's well, just, it's my, it's it could be one of those mind Except over matter things. Sna- if you think it works, it's, it it's works. snake milk. If if snake had snake breath, milk, they'd be selling this shit. Snake milk. Yeah, it's snake milk. <laughs> Wait a minute. Gator said something here. The belief uh, test has been going on for years with all manner of propaganda and forms of psyop. COVID is okay. Yeah, if you want to. Oh, the Milgram. We talked about the Milgram experiment many times, right? When oh, it comes yeah, to yeah. We, we talked about that very, very early on. And the interesting thing about the Milgram experiment that, that very few people um, know about is that um, they would push these people to limits where they were doing awful, you know, tor- torturing. At least they thought they were torturing people with electric shocks. Um, and and and. The one thing that made all of the all of the so-called experimenters, that is, the people who are delivering the shocks, stop and desist from horrendous behavior, was when the um, the what, what did they call them, the attendees or something like that, the people that were running the experiment, would say yeah. to them, "Continue on. You have no choice." Those words, "You have no choice," would make everyone stop and think, and then they would stop the behavior this horrendous behavior that they're participating in. So one of the things I had hoped for early on in, in the COVID hysteria was that some official was going to become so tyrannical that he was going to start telling people that you have no choice because, or the media or 
a large enough um, uh, um, group of, of important people were going to start telling Americans that they have no choice in various matters. I was just going to say that, but that didn't seem to work. What's that? Not, not the way the, it didn't work the way the Milgram experiment. Well, they did because they weren't, were saying, told. they weren't saying it. They never. Well, I guess not. I mean, right. They they told people. Well, but in a way they did tell people you have no choice. You must wear this mask. All right. Well, they said if you if you if you want to come into this establishment, you must wear this mask. It was never the, it was never the government saying you must wear this mask. Um, it was never um, public health saying they must wear the mask. Public health would just make these mandates. And then they left it up to the pressure of a crazed populace to dictate to retail stores um, that they must have this, um, they must participate in this mandate or else they're not going to get their business. And that's the way retailers everywhere saw it. They just said, oh, we got we to gotta do this or else people aren't going to be coming through our doors. It was a very, it was a very um, subtle way of manipulating our population. Um, and that, is, that in part is, is why it's going to make bringing these people to justice um, uh, harder. Um, a lot of it wasn't overt. Um, you get people like there wasn't a Bert part to it, and that uh, Fauci um, et al. who are involved in the Biden uh, versus Missouri case. Yeah. Um, that 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 was overt. Um, lot of lots of documentation going on there where they're trying to censor um, opposing points of view. That's that, that's gonna that's gonna be a slam dunk. And I'm so proud of the people that were the plaintiffs in this case. Is they're just heroes in my eyes. Um, but in general, yeah, we just didn't have them come out and say you had no choice. And I was hoping for it. I was hoping for it because I knew that's how the Milgram experiment ended. It, it did. You're right. It ended once people didn't what were told you must do this. And then that anti-authoritarianism fascist thing kicked in. Yeah. And people said, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. Right. I mean, our, our American way, which is, of course, in general, our DNA, hopefully, I believe, anti-authoritarianism, anti-fascist. So, yeah. Yeah. I think I think human beings are in general anti-fascist and anti-Marxist, and and that's why that's why those governments don't succeed very well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, but well, this, I'm, I'm, I'm signing off. So go I'm, ahead, Daniel. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And a little bit more on Lancet. Uh, this was 325 autopsies after the COVID vaccine found that 74 percent of them were caused by the vaccine. But that study was removed in about 24 hours. The paper was a preprint that was awaiting peer review. is written by, uh, you know, Peter McCullough um, and Dr. Harvey Risch at their colleagues at the Wellness Company and was published online on Wednesday on the preprint site of the medical journal Lancet. However, less than 24 hours later, the study was removed and a note appears stating the preprint has been removed by preprints with Lancet because the study's conclusions are not supported by the study methodology. While the study had not undergone any part of the peer review process, the note implies it fell out of screening criteria. The original study abstract can be found in the Internet Archive. Um, and as Daniel said, this has happened a lot during the COVID era, where studies done, and then the uh, <clears throat> the powers that be don't like the study, 
and they get rid of it. They pretend it didn't happen or that it didn't fall under methodology. And, and what's really a bullshit about all that is when it came to like masking or lockdowns or any of these mandates that the millions and billions of people had to live by, they didn't care about studies. They didn't care about evidence or science or anything. There were no studies done. There were no, no, no peer-reviewed studies done about any of this stuff. The efficacy of the vaccine, the safety of the vaccine, whether the vaccine would work at all, whether it would be more effective than saline solution, whether masks did anything to stop COVID, whether lockdowns were going to end COVID. No studies were done. Yet it was just accepted. Oh, yes, we must do all this. What studies were done about six feet rule? No studies were ever done about a fucking six feet rule. You know, it was just all accepted. Now, oh, they're so interested. In, oh, was the methodology good enough to publish this? Why all of a sudden do they give a fuck? All of a sudden they care. Why? Because it's their narrative that's being challenged. That's why. Because it's big pharma that's being challenged. And God forbid something might prove big pharma's evil or cut into their mega billion dollar profits. They can't allow it. They can never allow it. So none of these studies, as good as they may be, the methodology can be perfect. They're never going to allow them to hit the mainstream ever. They're going to get rid of them before it can be picked up by the mainstream. They're going to tell the media, oh, these aren't good. Forget it. You didn't see it. You didn't see it. Right. And you'll be able to find this stuff in, you know, the daily the, the Daily Skeptic, with their, their 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 slogan is question everything, stay sane, live free. They're the ones who write about this stuff. But democracy dies in darkness. All the news that's fit to print, they're not going to write this stuff. I love it. Question everything, stay sane, live free. At least they abide by their slogan, the Daily Skeptic. The Washington Post doesn't abide by their slogan. The New York Times doesn't abide by their slogan. But this is what they what it blows my mind. And I keep on this is what people on the left keep on telling me. Well, where's your evidence? Where's your evidence about the vaccine? They never cared about it. They never asked the government. They never asked the CDC or the NIH or the WHO or the local government to provide evidence about any of the mandates that were forced on them for 30 plus months. Never once did they ask for any evidence. They just said, oh, you say it then I'll do it. You say it, it must be true. But now, no, no, no. The methodology was only 72.8%. It must be 82.4. Give me a fucking break. The vaccines were shit and they've killed people, period. Period. But until people are put in jail for it, it's just Mike Cachopoli screaming into the wind. That's all. No one's going to, no if no one gets punished for it, it'll happen again. It'll happen again. People must get punished for it. Here's Bill Ackman. Now, Bill Ackman is one of the most influential investors. Bill, you're up next. Let me just finish this. Bill Ackman is one of the most influential investors on Wall Street. And he stunned his Wall Street peers by amplifying RFK's vaccine skepticism. I listened to RFK on several podcasts and a town hall and thought he raised important issues about vaccines and other issues that are worth learning more about, the Pershing Square CEO told MSNBC. Okay? So he said in 2021 that delaying COVID vaccinations for over Americans seemed like genocide. This is what Bill Ackman said in 21. Today, the head fund chief, 
is implying the debunked anti-vaccine views. Well, there's not debunked. No, no one, no debunked. RFK's anti-vaccine views have not been debunked. Where have they been debunked? Show me. They haven't been. That's just the media saying they debunked. So we should believe them. Ackman is not denying his change. In fact, he said Kennedy is asking important questions about vaccines. Several of Ackman's recent tweets about COVID vaccines have stunned and confounded many of his colleagues on Wall Street, of course, who probably have great amounts of stock in big pharma, according to several people who have known and been allied with him for years. So they keep that. This article is basically about how they cannot believe that he believes RFK Jr. that there could be any issues with vaccines at all. No, why would they want anyone to believe that? Why would they want big pharma stocks to go down? The, the, so CNBC writes this bullshit as though, oh, it's, isn't it amazing how shocked they are? Well, why would they want to admit that the vaccines are bad so big pharma stocks are going to crash? Isn't it like predictable that they'd have this response? Isn't it predictable that they're going to call Bill Ackman a, a, a conspiracy theorist now? The guy who said in 2021 that the vaccine should be warp speeded. I listened to RFK on several podcasts and a town hall and thought he raised important issues about vaccines and other issues that were worth learning more about, he said. I don't feel we fully answered questions about the safety of all vaccines, particularly more recently approved vaccines, meaning COVID, and our approach to determining their safety and efficacy. Now, listen to that. I'm going to read that one more time. I listened to RFK on several podcasts in a town hall and thought he raised some important issues about vaccines and other issues that were worth learning about. I don't feel we've fully answered questions about the safety of all vaccines, particularly more recently approved vaccines and our approach to determining their safety and efficacy. My God. This guy's a nut job. Oh, my God. He wants to learn more. He's saying we need to actually learn more instead of taking big pharma and big government and big tech's word and big media's word for it. Oh, get rid of this guy. What a nut job he is. Hey, Bill, isn't this guy a total nut job? I mean, <laughs> you can't get more than that statement he made. Yeah, I was just diving into PubMed to look up the... Um association between aluminum adjuncts and autism and you know rfk jr he's got a lot of a lot of science behind him you know there's going to be science on both sides of things we know well, that all but. this big act bill ackman saying is maybe we should uh, listen a little bit more maybe we should do some more investigation maybe we should like be open-minded god forbid holy crap oh no. what a yeah well uh, yeah, that's for sure um also, I was just checking out the Daily Clout, you know, Naomi Wolf's uh, site on, uh, you know, RFK's writings on uh, regulatory corporate captures. So that's the issue. Um, we know that. And uh, I, I don't know what else you can say, Mike. I think there's people who see through it, you know, took the red pill and there's people who took the blue pill, you know, the Matrix allegory and... The people who took the blue pill, there's nothing you can say to Look, get through to them. If, if anyone out there is just saying, which is what they're saying without saying it, just trust what these people tell us. I mean, what? who in their right mind in the year 2023? I can understand 1950, Bill. It was a different time. But yeah. it might have been even crazy in 1950, but there was a lot of you know propaganda back then. But in 2023, 
people can really just say, well, I just, and basically, Bill, these people we're talking about, that's basically what they say without saying it. They just trust what they're told. And if you don't trust what you're told, something's wrong with you. Yeah, well, the mainstream media so is captured, of course. They do a hell of a job of propagandizing, beating the band. Uh, even what's-her-name, Lewinsky, who just uh, retired, right? CDC director? Um, yeah, Walensky. Was Walensky? Yeah. No, Walensky. Walensky. Yeah, however you say it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's still pushing the propaganda. That, well, you, uh, you know, the, do you know the, the similarity between... Zelensky and Walensky, they're both gonna, they're both retiring multimillionaires. Both. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, neither will hurt for money in the retirement. Or Fauci, we know or that. Fauci. Uh, yes, exactly, exactly. And we just have this bifurcation in society. We have Fauci getting a professorship at Georgetown, despite being eviscerated in front of you know. Uh, with uh, with Rand Paul eviscerating in front of the congressional hearings, it doesn't seem to matter. It's like I said. There's just this. I think there's just uh, depending where people get their media sourcing, uh, a completely diverse opinion still uh, separating and dividing this country. And all. But on the other hand, you know, Mike, there was a very poor uh, vaccine uptake of the bivalent vaccine. Extremely poor uptake. I think it was like sixteen percent. You know, the flu, uh, uh, quote-unquote, virus vaccine and, uh, you know, I don't know what to call it uh, because, uh, well, anyway, moving on from that, the, the bottom line is I think the, most of the uptake was in the senior care facilities, you know, because they're told they either need to take it or that they should. And most of those people are going to go with mainstream media as their sourcing and believe everything uh, on alternative media is, you know, you know, not reliable. You know? <laughs> that's that's still being pushed on their throats. That's the thing, Mike. You no, know, I mean, it's, it's nuts. It's yes, absolutely yes, yeah, and it's um, it, it's amazing to me that people can still think that. I mean, look, I don't think you need to. There's two extremes here, right? One is believing everything you're said, you're told, right. and one is not believing a thing you're told. However, if I were to choose, if I were forced to choose one of those two, I would obviously pick the latter, you know. But I think it's a matter of just like making your own decisions by your own knowledge, by investigating things, by by looking at different things, by talking to different people, by not getting your um, uh, media from any one particular source. I think that's the way you can form a better, you know, um, opinion of things. But that takes uh, effort, Bill. People don't want to put effort into it. They just want to believe it. It's easy, Bill. It's easy. Come on. You and I don't take this way out. But it's easy just to believe what you're told, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I want to add, I think part of it is um, people are in survival mode just trying to keep food on the table, a roof over their head. The cost of living and the cost of housing is so out of whack compared to what it was in my father's time anyway. And, um, you know, he was able to work one job and mom raised four kids and stayed home, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, you know yeah. those days are history. Then he opened a small business and it boomed for a long time. Uh, the bicycle shop in Bridgeport, he was a pharmaceutical salesman for JD Serrell and he wanted to get out of that. So it took a couple of years for him to find something, 
and he opened the bike shop. And uh, it really did very well, where, again, my mother never had to work, you know. And, um, of course, that building and the business got foreclosed on. Well, the business folded, the building got foreclosed on. As I told you, during the pandemic, um, the only bicycle shop left in a city of 150,000 people, and if you include the suburbs, 220-odd thousand. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people without a bike shop, it is. you know. Um yes. That just shows so much about things, the way things have turned. This is an old manufacturing town, Bridgeport, for the military, industrial complex, you know. And with the outsourcing uh, and, you know, industry outsourcing, um, Bridgeport had 500 manufacturing companies at one point here. And, of course, a very high rate of cancer uh, because of that, uh, lung cancer, breast cancer, and that's been a residual issue, uh, diseases of, like, sacrifice zone, you hear it called. Well, if you go back in time and look at things that the government told or big farmer or big media yeah, told us were okay, not just okay, but good, look at the result of a lot of these things. You know, I'm not saying they were all total disasters, but a lot of them were. Look at, how about thalidomide, right? Oh, that's you know that that's huge. That was we were told that was safe. Wait a minute, nine eleven, the air at Ground Zero. We were told that was safe. They went in there with their meters. Then they go in there with their meters and say, "Oh, look, the air's safe. Don't worry, won't be long term consequences. They're all dead. They're all dying. Those guys that were down there. You know what? And again with the train wreck, right? So the train wreck happens twenty years after nine eleven, and people believe that shit. Luckily, there were a lot of people in that more Republican town who were discerning and knew we cannot trust the government. And a lot of them reflected back on 9-11 when they were told that the air was fine in lower Manhattan. Yeah, it's so true. You know, I, I just wanted to touch when I was, I operated heavy equipment on federal Superfund sites with my OSHA 40-hour HAZWOPER certificate, it was called. It's where you get certified in hazardous materials uh, handling and what's called PPE, personal protective equipment. You know, and those sites were always pre-tested and monitored as we were working on them. Right. And when I watched the, you know, the towers and the excavator operators and the welders and everybody there, I'm like, where's the PPE? Where's the Tyvek and the respirator masks? I mean, that pile was smoldering and that building. No, that only works for COVID. It doesn't work for the. It doesn't work for those gas. That, that was nuts, Mike. You can Mike. see with your eyes. Yeah. You could smell. Yeah, yeah. I, well, the, the pile was smoldering. It was old building mm-hmm. full of asbestos. We knew that. And, you know, as it turned out, there turned out to be thermite, thermite dust uh, in, in the pile. Uh, you had molten steel still at the bottom of the pile because of the thermite, thermite. Um, and uh, I'm like, these people are all going to end up sick. And, uh, you know, I met a fellow I used to sing karaoke at. It was at the station house in Stratford, and I met this fellow with his lady, and she was singing, and I was we were having a good time. And at one point, I, I said, I got to know him over a while, and, and we, you know, I was uh, not working at the time I on canes, you know, and I can't get into the equipment anymore. Now I can't even get out the door. But And so uh, I, we were chatting about what we did for a living, and, and he goes, oh, yeah, I operated heavy equipment, too. And I said, no kidding. I said, hey, listen, man, 
I was watching 9-11. I'm watching those excavator operators with the door open and they got no PPE on. I'm like, these guys are all getting up sick. He goes, Bill, I was on the pile. I was like, what? He goes, yeah, I operated the excavator. He goes, on the pile. He goes, I had my double can respirator on. I had my door closed because there's a HEPA filter for the cab. And then, oh, I would, ne- I would, yeah. I would have had on an oxygen tank. There's no way I would have believed them. Look, you know, Bill, the way they get around this, the way they lie is they go down there with their meters. And a lot of right. times all those meters are showing is, is this like safe to like breathe short term? In other words, right. breathe it in today or tomorrow. Are you going to get cancer? Well, no. Yeah. But what it doesn't tell you, and they know this, they know they're lying about this, which is when you breathe this in constantly, Right, it's going to have a negative effect, and it's probably going to give you cancer later on in life. So they go there with their meters, and they go, "Oh no, this shows that the air right now, if you breathe it in, is you're not going to drop dead from that air today." Okay, right. but what they don't tell people is that when you breathe it in over and over again, as those guys did for days and weeks and months, it's going to kill you, and that's what happened. Well, this what he said to me was, he goes, "You're absolutely right." He said. A lot of my friends are making fun of me, he said, you know, because he had on his PPE. And I'm like, where was OSHA? We we wouldn't even have been allowed on a Superfund site, you know, if we didn't wear the right gear. Our, our supervisor wouldn't allow it. He said, Bill, all I can tell you is most of those guys I knew who were on the pile without that stuff, they're either dead or they're very sick. And I was yeah. like, damn. Of course. You know, yeah. yeah the, the lung cancer. Yeah. Alone killed most of those. Most of those deaths were from lung diseases, obviously. Yeah. You know, brain yeah. cancer, throat cancer, that kind of stuff as well. But lung disease was most of it, you know. And uh, they just, but once again, Bill, yes, there are lawsuits, many more than we've even heard of. But why didn't people go to jail? Well, this you're is You're telling the people this is, you're not going to, you're telling people this is safe. When people are here, it's safe. They pretty much think it means they're not going to die from it, right? And they end up dying mm-hmm. from it. Where are those people that told them it was safe and they weren't di- going to die from it? To me, that is that's uh, manslaughter, just like any kind of manslaughter, just like of driving course. a car drunk, just like driving a car uh, recklessly and killing somebody. It's the same thing. So where is the where? That's the problem. People say, oh well. This family got $20 million, $30 million, but they don't. these companies don't care about that stuff. Do you think that the train company cares about lawsuits? They're worth billions and billions of dollars. They'll get fucking money from the government. But what they do care about, what people do care about, is they don't want to go to jail. People don't want to go to jail. So you could, until you start charging people criminally, these things will never stop happening. Well, you can look at, that's absolutely true. You look at the banksters. You know, the banksters that get fined manipulating the gold silver market, Golden Sachs, or, you know, uh, basically automatic foreclosures. Steve Mnuchin, the foreclosure king, that was his nickname in California for uh, One West Bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, who They bought out IndyMac. And when they bought out those banks, Mike, they were guaranteed that any of those loans that went south, they were going to be covered by Fannie Mae. And uh, so there were no risk. And yet they foreclosed on people ruthlessly. None of them went to jail. Pfizer, $2.3 billion fines before this this most recent uh, mm-hmm. crimes against humanity. None of them go to jail. That's the problem. Madoff went to problem. jail. That, that was, is the problem. Yeah. I do. And people are going to talk to me now about COVID and lawsuits. And they'll say, well, yes, there'll be a lot of lawsuits, and we're going to win lawsuits, and this judge is going to decide that this was anti-the-First Amendment. And 
But until people start getting criminally charged, nothing's really happening. Because all these civil lawsuits, Bill, you and I know, are figured into this activity. They figure it in. They know they're going to lose lawsuits. They know they're going to have to pay money out. But the the risk-reward is worth it for them. That's how they calculate things. The evil is worth it when they look at the risk-reward. They know going into this stuff, we're going to lose millions of dollars down the line. We're going to lose it. But that's factored into the equation for them. Because they know yeah. they're not going to go to jail. If they had to, if these people were going to end up behind bars, they would think twice about doing this stuff. That's true, but and that's the problem, isn't it? And that just shows the regulatory capture of the, and the DOJ is FBI is completely captured. Uh, they work. Let's be honest. It's you know we were talking about Dr. John Coleman and uh, uh, you know the Committee of Three Hundred. And uh, we could, if really, that's where the source of the evil is. Uh, it's those generational families uh, that have the stratospheric wealth that dwarf the wealth of Bezos or Gates. Uh, they run the world. You know, it's no joke. I mean, the, the, the bankers manage the money for them. You know, the Black Rocks and the vanguards and you know what a name dude sometimes you gotta wonder like larry fink they couldn't have picked a more perfect name <laughs> larry fink that's a great name fink is a is a good name. you gotta wonder sometimes are they are they toying with this the illuminati like like making up names like you know or, or you got claus schwab like the, the perfect embodiment of dr evil you know what i mean yes, <laughs> you, yes, yes. you know you gotta wonder because they really do pull the strings. And if you look at the source at the beginning of the Bilderberg group, that was actually Harvard CIA Kissinger, you know, all working together uh, for the, the I mean, Kissinger had a lot of power, but again, he was uh, serving the needs of the stratospheric, stratospheric uh, wealth. Uh, some people say there's a core 13 families. In fact, I read an article I was going to post in here. I didn't get a chance. I'll source uh, I, some of the stuff, and my clip tray got bounced out when I add things. Uh, but the point I'm trying to make is uh, that apparently there's uh, recent uh, work by a young girl and her father where they trace the bloodlines of all presidents, including their spouses, and they found that they all, all but one lead back to King John of England, I think it was. I don't know if you're one bloodline, apparently. Yes. So, did you ever read about that, Mike, or hear about that? No, so, I'll read yeah. more about it, but I, I've heard about it, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to pull that article, and I was, pretty much that's it in a nutshell, that when they actually do the genealogy, um, and that shows that our presidents are indeed selected, not elected, and they intermarry. That's why the bloodlines, you, know, you follow the both sides, and that's where you can track it that way, the spouses, they... They are very calculating on what they do. They're not going to let go of their grip. And people say, oh, that's conspiracy theory. It's like, listen, that's another part of the PSYOP. To, they use that word. You know, conspiracy is just two or more people acting a way that's nefarious, illegal, detrimental to their fellow man. That's what a conspiracy is, two or more. We got that going on every day between the House and the Senate and, you know, the captured regulatory bodies. Let's face it. I mean, and 
the, 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 uh, this is a fact of life. Um, but we've grown up with this, uh, bizarre brainwashing constantly, you know, as if to say that now you're crazy. You're a conspiracy yeah. theorist. No, we're not. We just tell them like it is. It's exactly. conspiracy reality. Right. Is what it is. Right. Uh, the emoluments clause is violated every day in the House and Senate by m just about everybody on both sides of the aisle. Just follow the money, right? That's well, <laughs> right. So yeah. this is they're, why we don't all, see. If they're all doing it, they all want to do it. They're not going they to do it. You know, yeah, they're not going to report on one another either because no, it's, of course it's, not. Yeah. So this, the thing is, that's why we don't see any criminal charges because they. It, that's why you. That's why you're not going to get term limits in Congress. They're that's true. They're not. They're not going to vote to limit their amount of time they can make money and be in power. No, they're not going to do no. that. They're not going to do it. They'd be. They'd be more apt to do it if it were difficult to win re-election. Right. But we know that, especially in the House, what is it like ninety-five percent incumbents win re-election. So why would they give up that cushy gig? Not going to give it up. No, they're not. And yeah. this is unfortunate. But this is. This is the thing that it's like we are. Jimmy Dore says this sometimes. He says. It's not just regular corrupt. People don't realize how absolutely corrupt it is, you know, and yeah. he calls it a unit party. And, and of course, when you, when you get above the local politics, the national politics, the world, and you start to look at things at the 30,000 foot level on down and you start to realize that it's really, I really like Dr. John Coleman's work. I'm glad you, you found that interesting. It's really is yeah, well done. And it really tells the story. I'm so glad I stumbled on that, you know. Yeah. And, you know, without being retired because of my disabilities, I wouldn't have had the time to discover these things. Your, your, your work is reporting, you know what I mean? But if I was still on a tractor working like I was and then trying to have a social life and, you know. <laughs> yeah, I should, you know? I should have more of a social life. But, hey, that's, you know. We all make our sacrifices for the greater good. <laughs> yeah, but this is your social life. Think of this. You have the ability to talk to people all over the world every night of the week that you're you're in calling and you have a following and you hear from Gator who's across the pond, I believe. I yep. think he is. Yep. And this is amazing that we have the ability to do this. I really appreciate the app and I hope it doesn't you know, get wiped out. I, I've heard rumor. Have you heard rumor that Rumble's going to eliminate it? I heard that rumor. I don't know if that's true. Or not. Why would Rumble buy you to eliminate it? Doesn't make any. Sense. I know. I I don't buy it. I think it's first just of all, people. David Sachs. Uh, you know, he owned it, and he's now on yeah. the board of of Rumble. Why would he eliminate the app he created? It doesn't make any any sense. What I'm hoping is this is selfish, obviously, is that they become more conservative, just the way Rumble is. I mean, the problem with Call In is that it was created by a libertarian or Republican, whatever, a cer certainly center-right guy, and the left took it over because he just didn't control it enough. You know, so it's like it's almost like if if I if Fox News was created and they just let all of M MSNBC take it over, what's the point? You know, there's enough. The left controls enough of the media, and the left controls about ninety percent or so of the of the media. So. I don't understand why a guy who's how, libertarian allowed the left to take over his app. I'm hoping that Rumble, because they appeal to more conservatives, will eventually make this more conservative friendly. So we'll see. Well, how would I, 
I, I'm a little curious. How would you do that if you're promoting a free speech platform? How would you sort of swing it? Well, just towards, uh, yeah. organically. I mean, look at Rumble. It's mostly center-right programming, right? Okay. Because that's where people know they can go and not be censored. Right? I see. So okay. It, it would happen organically. No, no, no. I'm not promoting for censor. I'm not saying, oh, you know, shows that are on the left here should be eliminated. <laughs> I'm just saying that it should be um, advertised more the way Rumble is to conservatives oh. to say this is a place you can go and actually get your word out there. That's all. I get it. Yeah. Hey, listen, Mike, I know it's getting on. You may want to end the show. I just wanted to add quickly. I mentioned some things last night, and I came back with little some references, actual sourcing, and I put them in the live chat for any listeners who are interested in the show You did yes, we did yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, do you mind if I just mention real quick, just citing what they are? Do you want no, me? go ahead. Sure. Okay. Ahead. So remember I told you there was footage of a fellow who – was dressed as an FBI SWAT team member that was carrying the gun by the magazine upside down backwards pointing like a kneecap somebody with the shoulder harness dangling. Mm -hmm. Well, that footage was in all the mainstream media. And that guy's obviously not an FBI SWAT team member. And so I got the video and I put it in the chat. It's actually a police officer, Carl Gallup's going Mm -hmm. over it with a guy using a pseudonym, a fake name as a reporter to keep ah. his anonymity. How do you say that? Anonymity. 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 Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Thank you. Not a word I've said often. I can say that. So <laughs> so that's there. So there's the actual footage, Mike. And he, this, the whole video, they're showing it from all the mainstream media outlets, footage of this. And so there you have a real smoking gun because how is that person there? He's obviously, and, and the commentary at the end of it by a guy who's a 10-year cop is, like, powerful, you know, so I want to add that. Then we go forward. There's actually an FBI crime table for the state of Connecticut, 2012, cities and towns. This is the FBI crime table. It's the exact sourcing. I mean, it's not like I pulled it off of another site or some monkeyed up or anything. This is like a direct link. And do you know for Newtown Sandy Hook, for murders and non-negligent manslaughter, it's zero. Oh, is that right? It is. And that's updated quarterly. They've never changed it. It's zero, huh? It's zero. Interesting. Okay. There's a link right in the chat. Then we go up. So I got that there. Oh, then we had people that said to me, and Colin, boy, I get a lot of pushback on this one. I've been blocked from groups and everything well how do they keep everybody quiet i said two i said two ways non-disclosure agreements for those on the inside you know and then threats of arrest for everybody else and there's lieutenant vance paul vance of the connecticut police talking about disinformation in social media and that he's talked to federal authorities and that there will be arrests made and it's very vague the way he says it, Mike. And that's actually, we were all threatened here in Connecticut by Lieutenant Paul Vance. And the YouTube video is right there. If uh, there's, uh, somebody put something in between, but you'll see me, YouTube, me, Paul, then AJ Lerner. Right. Lieutenant Vance threatens us. See, these the problem I have with these people in calling, they wouldn't stick around long enough for me to say these things right away they're yelling screaming at me well, you see that's what i mean about how the left has taken over this app 
and has drowned yeah. out others. Look, another way, by the way, just throwing this out there, yeah. where you can control the content a little bit more is by actually, not going to name any names, but hiring conservatives to do shows on this platform. And yeah. when you hire conservatives to do shows on this platform, it'll make the platform more conservative. That's just the you way know. to do it. If you want to do it that way, you know, if you want to, but you'd have to want to spend money. And that's, I, I don't see anything that tells me either David Sachs or Rumble are into the pits, are, are into the spending money game. All right. So who knows? I, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, well, a lot of these platforms have just realized they don't have to hire people to do shows. People just do shows and they can make money off it. So. Right. Well, the interesting, I called into Jimmy when Jimmy had and was in calling Jimmy Dore, and we were talking, of course, you know, big farmer stuff. And Malcolm was his producer, and there were times when Jimmy would say, "Okay, have we gone long enough? Did we fulfill the contract?" And Malcolm would say, "Yeah." Because Jimmy seemed to have little appetite for really doing the calling, then he finally got out of doing it. So it seemed like he had some kind of contract that he. I can't needed. see why if you're doing if you're someone like Jimmy Dore and you've got a popular your right. own popular podcast that you produce going where it's a it's a video podcast. Why would you want to do something on Colin? I don't get it. I, I don't I don't get it. I mean, if I were like if I were let's say uh, Chenk Uger, would I want to do a podcast on Colin? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, you have a network that's making millions of dollars. Why would you? bother it's just i think people do things because they hope it could be you know what i'm saying like i'm getting in on the ground level and they're hoping it's going to take off right and uh, it doesn't and they get tired of it you know so but yeah yeah well the other thing is he promised everybody that he was going to do sort of their own thing through zoom that he and malcolm were going to do that and and then it didn't i don't know if it started but by the time i joined jimmy and signed up he wasn't doing that. And I was like, oh, what happened? I thought he was going to do that. Yeah, but so, you know, once again, I don't want to get into, what do you call it, um, internal stuff or, or house cleaning stuff. But it's like I've seen, you know, I've seen Mike Tracy on here. And Mike Tracy has gotten a pretty good following on social okay. media. And I, I'll see Mike Tracy doing a show prime time. It'll have 20 people, you know. So it's like, I think. It's a very a while, small audience. Like, that are like, okay, when is this going to build up? You know, so but you have to spend money. You have to advertise. Maybe Rumble will do that. I don't know. Well, you know, on the other hand, like when Savvy Sabs, well, she was getting four or five hundred, and then uh, Useful Idiots will do a YouTube. You know, uh, Aaron Mate and Kitty Helpner, and they were getting some numbers. Jimmy was getting like that times fifteen, seventeen hundred people, but it's really uh, tailed off, and I think part of that is. That, uh, you know, I think people are, are really in a tough spot where they've suffered from the lockdowns. They're in a survival mode financially. What is it? Uh, 80% of people can't afford, uh, what is it, five or $1,000, you know, expense. I think it's $500 for a lot of people. Is it down to 500 now? Yeah. I mean, yeah. think about that. You know, that's, that's amazing that 80% of the populace. So I think... People like they just don't have time, and it's, they kind of gave up because it seems, you know. Let me mention one more thing before we, we end. I put in one other video. It's uh, it's Santa Hook revisited 
uh, Dear Wolfgang Halbig, uh, 2018, where he's calling for a congressional uh, and grand jury investigation into this matter. Because as we discussed it last night, either side, whether you believe it happened or it didn't, there should be an investigation based on the discrepancies that we talked about. So anyone interested in that, uh, I don't need yeah. to regurgitate. We covered it really well. Thank you for giving us me the time to sure, get it out there, Mike. Yeah, um, yeah, only, but getting I'm back one, to... I'm one of the few conservative shows on this network, so... Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. You know, it's, uh, I, I, I believe in uh, free speech, and whether I agree with you on all this stuff or partially agree with you or whatever it may be, I think you have the right, you should have the right to say it. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I want to say when Daniel was talking earlier about Elon Musk being free speech, I was I was getting this in in Twitter, and I only got it about about three hours into it, posting things, and next thing you know, my whole Twitter account was completely wiped, like gone. Well, you I, know, if I were you, I wouldn't try out Threads. You probably won't last very long. <laughs> so I'm sorry, can you say that again? I didn't hear. Uh, don't don't go on that new Zuckerberg network. You're not going to last very long. Well, I already got kicked <laughs> off Fablebook a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. got, Mike, I'm one of the rare people who's got kicked off Telegram. I got kicked. I was in <laughs> Telegram chat, and I was putting up all this stuff about the Alex Jones case and free speech because I'm an ardent free speech person. And listen, like we said, look, you could disagree with Alex Jones all you want. But you can't prove malice. He was reporting on FOIA hearings and Wolfgang Halbig and da 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 da. There's no way to prove malice, and you, someone should have been reporting on those. I'm reporting on them. You heard me. There's, they should be covered. Well, how'd they ever get buried so long? Of course, that's the issue, right? When we have self censorship, here's the problem: when when we see retaliations against people like Alex Jones. Even though I contend the civil trials will all be flipped over, or they're not even legit for various reasons. It, it it's all appears to be a show trial. But moving on from that, it still creates self-censorship, and people are afraid of getting sued. And now notice, even though Lieutenant Vance made that threat to everybody, and he did, that goes out to everybody. If you watch that, it's not a long clip. You'll be like, what the hell? Um, you know, how? first of all, there's non-specific uh, crime statute. He hasn't cited one crime statute. It's very vague, but he, he throws in the idea he's talked to federal authorities and that anyone quoting Miss, the only truth, the only information that's true is coming from the mic that he's standing at. Yeah. Where, where, where are we? Are we in a despotic, uh, you know, dystopian yeah. times? Who are you? You know, that's literally, that was 2012. And so... That's how they silenced a lot of people that were living in that area who wanted to speak up, apparently, that weren't in the inner circle taking the non-disclosure agreements. Right. And so, anyway, so moving on from that. So this is the problem. People have, now you see the Yuhuru group, right? That's been around for decades. The Yuhurus, you know, remember the black activists that yes. supposedly yeah, took, yeah. next thing they get some federal charge against them. Now, based on federal free speech, Case laws we discussed, Brandon reverse Ohio, New York Times versus Sullivan, and Snyder versus Phelps, and the First Amendment. The, there's no grounds for that arrest, you know, of the Yahoo's. They haven't changed. They've been doing this for decades, what they're doing. They're an activist group. They're a black activist group. You don't have to agree with them, but if we're going to start, now that may eventually get dropped. Uh, maybe under the NDAA, National Defense Authorization Act, there could be some vague 
concept that they can incite violence, you know what I mean? So then they're domestic uh, terrorists. Yeah. terrorists. I mean, this is so... Even Aaron Brockovich was listed by the Ohio police, state police, as a potential domestic terrorist. Yeah, because he was a threat to them. That's why, of course. That's unbelievable. They're profits. You're a terrorist. Bill, I'm going to let you go. Okay, Bill, Mike, thanks. Back, 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 back tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow. Okay. Okay, all right, so tomorrow, I do want to mention this here. Uh, DeSantis also, going back to Ron DeSantis's, what I was saying at the beginning of the show, uh, and I spent the first 45 minutes on, was DeSantis's incredible fundraising numbers. He had approximately 6,000 more small donations in the second quarter than Trump. So that's very big. This is not just people will say, oh, DeSantis is backed by the, this is what the, this is what the Trump, Trumpers will have you believe now. DeSantis is backed by the deep state Republicans. That's why he's making so much money. Well, no, he had 6,000 more small donations. That means me, people like me, who gave like five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks. Right there shows just a huge following among just a regular voter. 6,000 more small donations. By the way, um, while they talk about how DeSantis is getting their false narrative, uh, of where DeSantis's money is coming from, understand that much of Trump's money that he's making, he's spending on his defense. So that these morons, these morons who can't afford fucking a $500 emergency are giving their money to Donald Trump, a, a billionaire, millionaire, whatever the fuck you might believe about him and his finances, money for his defense. This is not for a campaign. This is money for his personal defense so he doesn't end up in jail where he probably will end up anyway. Quite insane. It really is. All right. Well, tomorrow is Friday show, which means I'll be back and talking about all the issues of the day. And also we'll have movie reviews. So make sure you tune in to the big end of the week, the Friday end of the week show. Okay. I want to remind everyone the name of this show is And Let's Be Heard. And it airs weeknights, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. And I'll see you right back here uh, tomorrow night. But until then, this is Mike Chopoli reminding you that your influence counts. Use it. <laughs>